This is the Agile Thoughts Podcast, and I'm Lance Kahn. Hi, I'm John Jagger. I'm a software developer. I've been doing that for, goodness me, over 45 years now. I live in the southwest of the UK. Uh, I built CyberDojo because I think it's a worthwhile thing to do, an interesting thing to do, and a fun thing to do. This is a continuing episode of a series about Cyber Dojo. The start of this series happened at episode 193. Yeah, no, I love that. You're really creating a good social circumstance among a group of strangers and trying yeah. to make it possible for them to learn from each other. Yeah, they don't have to be strangers, but a lot of time they are, of course, in the modern world. This was before, you know, remote work was anything like us popular as it's become for, because of COVID, for example. Yeah. There's one other small thing I think worth mentioning about the learning aspect of, of CyberDojo, and that is that I feel it's very important when you're in a, a learning environment that you don't come as a teacher, if you like, with a preformed idea of what the, they're going, what the people you're teaching are going to learn. So it, I, I mean, the way I crudely just write, uh, talk about it is that if I'm, a, if, if I'm trying to teach someone and they're they're at, they're at position A, and I want them to get them to Z. And there's 25 steps to get them from A to Z. The, wor the, the worst thing for me to do is to start telling them about Y, which is one step away from Z. I should be teaching them about B, C, and D, because that's where they're at. So I think that's a very important part of, uh, of the philosophy, if you like, because there is a quite a strong value system behind CyberDojo, such as the, the fact that it's, group, it's always a group-based focus and it's anonymous, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's quite a lot of thought went into it. Yeah. I want to parse a little bit what, what you just said, because I, I want to make sure if I, if I make it clear for everyone, including myself. Let me reflect back what you said, just see if I got mm. it. Uh, you're saying that sometimes we, an instructor who uses CyberDojo says, this is the goal way over here. And, and the team is like, or the person or the subject are way over here. And, that, and then you tell them about why they want to get to there, but it's, it's too many steps ahead. And so people right. aren't like connected with it. And so they're just kind of like, either they're in the class to accommodate you, but the, yeah, they might, be, they, might, they might get discouraged, and that's a very important part of learning, this, you know, that, that classic graph where if it's too hard, you're not going to really be motivated to learn because you're just not going to get there. You can see you're not going to get there, right? And also, if it's too easy, you think, well, this is boring. So there's that sweet spot, that Goldilocks sweet spot between the middle, and it's a difficult thing for me to know. How can I know what your sweet spot is? Yeah. You have to kind of pick your sweet spot, which is why I just let people run and oh. they do what they do. If they make a hash of the exercise because they totally misinterpret the exercise and they should have asked me a question as a customer, <laughs> that's brilliant. <laughs> that's brilliant, okay? Because it means that's the lesson that was the right lesson for them to learn at that moment in time. Oh, I think I follow you better now. I think you're saying... <clears throat> You're giving them a lot of space to make mistakes. Yes. Because if, if they if they know how to do it, they won't make mistakes and they won't value all of the, oh, let me tell you step by step what you need to do because that'll be boring. You let them right. go. And then the people who are making more mistakes, it will get revealed. And then you can... Uh, but, but crucially, it gets revealed in a very, I don't know what the right word is, but a, an anonymous way. Because typically, again, when I'm doing a cyber dojo, I will, will do the first run and people won't really get it because it's such an unusual way of working, really. No, you know, it's anonymous. We're working as a group. Some people have never had either of those two things, right? But you do the first run and then you do the review. And, and I, I'm at the front and I'm saying, OK, here's what, the, here's what the lion did. Here's what the sea lions did. Here's what the tigers did, OK? <laughs> right. And people are starting in the audience. They get, they're starting to get it. You can see the light bulbs going on. Hey, I can make mistakes and it don't matter because no one knows uh, it was me. OK. Right? 
Okay, interesting. No, this is an aspect I'm not so uh, experienced in, the, the value of anonymity in a group setting and how it may free up people to make more mistakes and better learnings uh, and not be embarrassed or shy or have to be perfect. Particularly, again, if they don't know each other. Uh, yeah, right. Right. Maybe it's less valuable if it's a team. Absolutely. The more they know okay. it, they don't care. They all know it. They make their mistakes and they joke each other about it. Yeah, exactly. Especially if they've been pairing. If they haven't been pairing, it may not be quite true. But yeah, if they've That's been pairing, true. it's yeah. definitely true. Yeah. All right. Um, so you did Do- Cyber Dojo. Maybe it sounds like you started it about, what is that, about a decade ago? Is that when you your first, when was the first version of Cyber Dojo? I started it literally the second, the day after that, that uh, slightly strange meeting that Uncle Bob Martin did in the Scotsman pub in downtown Oslo, okay. off Carl Johansgata, if anyone wants to go there. Sure. It's a good pub. And that was 12 years ago. So it would have been 2009. So you started it in 2009. And at that point, it's also worth noting, I, I didn't know any web coding. I was a typical systems backend guy. Oh, okay. So I didn't know any dynamic languages. I didn't know any CSS. I didn't know HTML. I didn't know get, I didn't know a get from a put or anything like that. But I, I, I had the motivation and I thought, plus I thought I would actually quite like to learn this stuff. So I, I literally rolled up my sleeves because sometimes in life, you know, you get, you, there's a moment when you think, <laughs> right. I actually am going to dedicate a significant amount of time to this because I do feel it's worth it. And that was a moment for me. And in about end of February, I had something that was looking back on it. Absolutely <laughs> tremendously bad. Oh, it was so bad. It was so bad, but it worked for what I needed for the vision I had at that point, it worked. And, and from there, I just refactored and refactored and refactored and had a big lot of help from uh, my friend, Mike Long, who I've now joined his company because I'm no longer self-employed. I never thought I'd, I would go working for someone else again. But as the old joke goes, he made an offer to my, that my wife couldn't refuse. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. So back when you started it, you probably had like a vision of like, uh, it could have been simple. Maybe it was just to solve, not, not have to experience what, what uh, somebody getting stuck with their environment again, or it could have been more even deeper. So do you have like a dearest wish you hold, you held in your heart? Like if I do this, maybe this other thing will happen. What was, and what was that wish if you had, if you can recall? Well, I mean, it, you kind of, it's easy to put a retrospective coherence on this stuff, but my strong recollection was that I re- right from the word go, I was focused on the feedback aspect of it. So for example, from the right at the very, very beginning, it wasn't stored at the back end with Git. But even then, you could get a, a diff, because what I would do is I would literally pull out the files from version six of the commits, of the, of the test pushes, and I, then I'd pull out seven, and I would literally on the fly create a, a Git repository. I would dump all six in, I would commit it and tag it. I would dump all seven in, I'd commit it and tag it. I'd do a diff, and I'd retrieve that and parse it and send it back to the browser. So, yeah, from right from the word go, I was very focused on this idea of... Um, of the of the feed, number one the feedback feedback aspect of it and number two the anonymity it's never ever had login and it's always been those two things with the group focus hmm. nice so it it was fairly well formed in my head from the beginning to be honest okay yeah cool and and how do you mm, pay yourself back for developing it is it the act of just doing the work good enough or did you do you are you have a business model or funding model well, partly, I, like I said, I, I did genuinely felt it was scratching an itch that I had. Right. In the early days, I didn't, it wasn't publicly available. I would just, I'd have the code that I'd written. And when I was with a client, I would spin up a server on the cloud and only I knew the IP address. I, there was no domain, nothing. 
I would just tell the client, the people I was teaching in the room, this is the IP address, off you go. And there was no containerization, no security, no chiroot, nothing. They were literally running on the server. Mm. But, but I told them that, and I said, look, if you muck up and you do – they could have done this. If you – in your – in this particular file, if you edit that file to say cd slash to the root and then you do <laughs> rm minus rf star, <laughs> no. you wipe the server out. Everyone would be out of action, right? I like, I like how you're <laughs> open about it so nobody right. experimentally discovers right. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so it was good enough to get going, but and that's what it was for quite a while. But people said you should really make this available publicly. And so I thought, well, okay, I'm game. So I put one up, still with no security. And again, people could have, could have done CD slash RM minus RF star, and they would have brought the server down. And it ran for two years like that, until a very nice gentleman from France actually did a CD slash RM minus RF star. And he brought the server down, and he emailed me this lovely email saying, I'm so sorry, I just assumed there was security. And that was the moment when I thought well, I actually really should, because it was starting to get quite popular at that point. Uh, I was thinking I really should put some security around this. And so I had a look around, and there was this interesting new technology just coming on the horizon. It was called Docker, and it was about 0.2. And so I got into the Docker world very early, which was a lucky, a lucky thing. So that's part of the answer. But at the time, I wasn't really motivated by money. And I, I also really am not... I'm not keen on the login and I don't like bureaucracy. I really hate bureaucracy. Okay. <laughs> so what I decided to do was the simplest thing I could think that would work was I put a charity behind it and I said, it's free if you're using it in a uh, non-commercial way, but if you're using it in a commercial way, you have to pay a license and people do pay the licenses and there's a charity behind that. And uh, every now and then, for example, I think for example, the most recent thing we did was we gave a quite large donation to the Turing trust, which is run by James Turing, who's uh, Alan Turing's great nephew, I believe. And they do tremendous work. But that, that, uh, that their most recent fundraising, they bought a whole bunch of laptops plus kit and solar power stuff. And they put it all in a container, shipping container, and they ship the whole container to Malawi. And then they unpack the containers and the containers act as the classroom with the, with ah, the solar panels on the roof. And the kids brilliant. come in and learn to program. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Holy smokes. I didn't know about that. All right. That's like, because I remember the, the laptop, what's it, what's it called? The laptop for everyone. I, I, and it was solar powered as well. And it, yeah. uh, Linux. And then this is like a whole classroom though. So, all right. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. All right. All right. So, you, okay, cool. So there's a, so on the cyber-dojo.org, there's going to be information if you want to get a license in your company who wants to use this for uh, their, their, their classes. And uh, if, they, if it's commercial. Yes. 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 But if you're, I guess if you're a random group of people who says, hey, let's get together at a meetup and use it, then it's, 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 uh, it should be all fine. All right. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you for, for, for bringing all that up because I, I was kind of curious. So I learned about Cyber Dojo first from Scott Grenning and I looked into it a little bit and I saw that there was a non. Do you mean James Grenning? Dang it. Yes, James. Right. Sorry. I have okay. a syntactic uh, error in my head because I knew a Scott Greenidge. Uh, <laughs> and I, and then, <laughs> I'm getting them all switched around. So thank you. Yeah, James Grenning. And uh, I noticed there was a nonprofit and I was trying to figure, I was kind of like studying that a little bit and I was kind of trying to imagine what was the inside, you know, did the, did the nonprofit form first and then they created this or, or but you've, you've all made that clear earlier in this right. uh, interview. So. Are you new to Agile or Scrum? Looking for a fun way to pick up the knowledge to become an Agile team? 
go get the novel Agile Noir. It's a dramatic novel about a project manager who needs to transform his teams to become agile because his life depends on it. This book is available in the U.S. on Amazon, in India on Pothy.com. In China, it's available on my WeChat store. Links are in the show notes. Check out the podcast notes and you will find some nice clickable or tappable things that are related to this episode, such as the URL to Cyber Dojo and a few video presentations from John Jager. If you're like my friend Larry and you missed the first episode of the series, you can search for the show archive and look up episode 193. The show archive is available by Googling Lancer Agile Thoughts Archive. Next episode, more Cyber Dojo. Now I've decided to go full-time with my friend Mike, who's built this startup based in Oslo. So I, I literally don't have time to maintain it anymore. So as I said right at the beginning, there's this plug-in framework where people can add their own languages uh, or upgrade their own existing, existing languages. It would be really cool if we could get a bunch of people who every now and then just upgraded the base images so that you know Java moved on to the one that's just been released and so did Go, uh, C++, whatever it might be.